Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Dave Hanready and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 310 of the No Encore Music Podcast. Craig Fitzpatrick is with me in yes. Zoom based. Yeah, it's Ooh. happening. Welcome back, sir. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, weird one. Uh, this is the second episode of the new season, uh, but the first one to feature my dulcet tones. I'm back. I want to thank Zara Hederman for stepping in for me last week. And Sweet. I've kind of been dreading this episode um, in, in a lot of ways while also desperately wanting to do it. Um, I guess, if I may, I mean, like, I think ultimately I'm, I'm going to talk about some personal stuff uh, to kick off because I think it would be bizarre if I didn't. Mm-hmm. Deep breath. Uh, so I guess with that in mind, uh, you know, we'll probably timestamp this out if, you know, this is traditionally a humorous show and a sideways glance at the world of music and stuff. And that's we what like it will to mix be, it hopefully. Up. <laughs> we like to mix it up. We can get serious on occasion. Yeah. Um, no, we, we often do. Um, and we often talk about how we feel about things. You know, we often get in our feelings to quote uh, our favourite rapper. Drake? Uh, <laughs> no, it's Drake. I'll allow Not- one Drake quote per episode. <laughs> I was going to say for the entire season. That's just <laughs> Maybe, already. Yeah. Um, but yeah, ultimately, fuck all dancing around here. Uh, my father passed away. Um, for anyone who doesn't know about that, um, I can feel my voice kind of quavering already. So that might happen. Um, I don't really have anything prepared apart from to say that I'm having a very tough time, as you might mm-hmm. imagine. Uh, it's two weeks ago now, and it is just awful. It's the worst. Um, I, I'm trying to just figure it all out and you know that's not really i'm trying to figure out this sentence in real time it's kind of similar i just uh i've been overwhelmed to say for start by an awful lot of people who reached out and have said nice things um which is uh very helpful um even if i don't know what to say in response often and you know it is appreciated though even listeners of the show kind of dm me and we're like oh i hope I'm not overstepping and it's like no not at all um yeah. not absolutely not at all um 
um, it's been a really, really weird time. Uh, it is a really, really weird time. I went back to work today. Uh, this day has already felt about two days long. Uh, the last two weeks, I mean, like, it's it's this weird thing where, like, I think for a long time we've been saying, as a collective uh, people, we've been saying, oh, time doesn't make sense anymore. And, you know, mm. the pandemic, which is true, but I can't even begin to explain how the last two weeks have felt from even a time point of view. It's just been, uh, it's been like nothing I've ever really experienced. And yeah. Um, I'm really sad about it, man. But like, you know, it's okay. Um, I am getting through it. I am, I am getting there. But it's, it's fucking hard. And I just want to say, I'm not going to spend a crazy amount of time on it because, like, that's not what the show is for, and that's not what that's not what people are coming to the show for. But, um, it's I've never experienced something like this. And even though you kind of prepare for it mentally in a way, uh, it turns you out that that's yeah. yeah, you can't. Yeah, no, you can't. And like. You know, I wish I could sit here and say, oh, man, he was my best friend and my hero. And, you know, we had a perfect relationship, but we didn't. And I'm not going to, you know, get into like that either. But I just, you know, I, I, I loved him and he loved me. And I think we were very similar to each other. Um, we bonded over lots of stuff. We didn't bond over other things, uh, <laughs> including music. And I mean, like, you know, he loved what he loved. I loved what I loved. I mean, that we didn't really kind of connect that way. I wish we did. We connected on TV shows and different things like that. But yeah, um it's just really tough when you're like, um, like I was, I was talking to Kieran McGuinness from De La Rentos today. I went for coffee with him. Uh, lovely fellow, by the way. And also a uh, sidebar, if I may slip back into podcast house for a moment, uh, little sparks by De La Rentos just turned 10, yeah, uh, which, I I, which is a wonderful album. And I actually was listening to a bunch of, it's fucking great. And I was actually listening to a bunch of De La Rentos recently, including night becomes light, uh, to try and kind of help me through it. I find that their songs are actually really, really empathetic that way. Um, but yeah, he was saying, uh, I, no, sorry, I was saying to him, because my train of thought is all over the place, please bear with me. I promise the episode will improve. Um, Dave, I, was I hosted him, last week, trains of thoughts, <laughs> like, what, whatever you do will not be more all did, over the place um, than me. <laughs> you did a wonderful job. Um, well, I, I especially enjoyed when you mused on the nature of the hitman, and you started <laughs> off by saying, hitmen have code of ethics, don't they? And then in about 30 seconds, you're like, no, they're actually scumbags no, with no yeah. moral. They're the opposite <laughs> of that, yeah. And I was sitting there and I was like, what the fuck is happening? Anyway, so listen, um, I said to Kieran, uh, and I've said to a couple of people that, like, the phone calls my father and I would share would be fairly stilted. They wouldn't be terribly free-flowing. Not like this, you know? Uh, <laughs> Jesus, he'd hate this. Um, but, you know, they would just be kind of checking in. You know, how are you? Blah, 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 blah. And just, you know, just the nature of it. Um, but I hate that I can't have that phone call now. And that's that's been one of the things that's been kind of hitting me because, like, his voice. He had a really, really warm voice. And I hate that I'll never hear it again. And that is really, really at me. But, you know, that's... It's part of the thing, and I don't want to fucking collapse into nothingness here, so I'm just going to say that he was a super charismatic guy, and I really, really... I've, I've gone from feeling very relieved about the situation to feeling, in the space of just two, just two very strange weeks, uh, feeling very, very... Um, I hate the reality of it. That's kind of yeah. where I'm at now. I leaned into relief uh, very, very fast, immediately, actually, in the moment, which kind of surprised me. Um because I am an emotional guy and trust me I bawled and I've been crying and I'm crying right now uh, and I will again um, but like I was surprised at kind of how stoic I became in the moment and I was leaning into the, the, the positives because there are positives and I was leaning into the romance of life and death and all that kind of shit and now I'm very much on the other side of that just being like actually I hate this the day today yeah I really hate this I hate that it's reality I really really do but at the same time um, I am grateful for a lot I'm grateful that I got to be there, as painful as that was. 
Um, a lot of people didn't get that luxury in the last couple of years, and you know, to be there was very important. Um, and I'm very, very grateful for the things people have said in the last two weeks. Um, so honestly, like, it's 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 fucked, man. I mean, like. I saw you briefly at the funeral and, you know, what a, what a weird sight that must have been even for you. Like, cause Jesus, um, you, I'm so often on the other side of this kind of thing. I'm not yeah. used to this at all, as you can tell. Um, but yeah, look, listen, I, I, I do want to kind of share a couple of darkly humorous things because there are darkly humorous things and they're tied to music and that's probably, this is probably the show for it. So, I mean, I will say that like, uh, in the hospital at the end, um, when it was known that, these would be his last moments. Um, my sister played some music off her phone and she put on, uh, I was like, put on his favourite song, which is Suspicious Minds by Elvis Presley. Um, True. And then at one stage she was like, what's his favourite Beatles song? And I sat there, <laughs> I sat there in fucking disbelief, man. I really was like, she was like, come together. And I was like, eh, that is just not appropriate. Like, no, not that one. Um and so Hey Jude was played off his phone. Oh, okay. or off, so wasn't you phone. didn't insist on Maxwell Silverhammer? Your favorite I, I thought about it. No. I thought yeah. about it. I really, really did. But I thought this is not the time or the place, sadly. So Hey Jude played. And I sat there, Craig, and I swear to God, I did think, I thought, I'm watching my father die to the Beatles. This is happening. Because of course it would, right? Because of course it would. That's yeah. like, this is, you know, for any first time listeners, I'm not a big fan of the Beatles, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> and there's kind of been a bit of a running joke about that. However, uh, I am confident that he went out to uh, Fleetwood Max Landslide, which I do think is pretty good as it these is. things go. I do prefer the Smash Pumpkins version because I am that guy. <laughs> but I've thought about this. I've thought about how, like, I could be walking down the street and I could be crossing the road and, like, Spotify radio could whack on something like fucking... I don't know, like Sir Mix-a-Lot or something as a book. I think about me. this all the time, yeah. I know, and people would be like, what was the last song he listened to? And I hope that people would just make something up and be like, it's oh, he listened It's the panic of other people knowing, but it's also the panic <laughs> of like that being stuck in your head as you go mm-hmm. out. It's just, there's on multiple levels, it's a horror show. Terrible yeah. stuff. So. I mean, yeah, I mean, like I'd like to think that people would be like, oh, it was God Moving Over the Face of the Waters by Moby. That, 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 that's, of course, what it was. Um, on the music front as well, just a couple more things, if I may. Um, yes, please. I, he he was he was brought home to us before um before the, the he 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 was eventually cremated and um i i played some songs um with him in the room um and um and i kind of like you know that was my kind of time with him for about half an hour to an hour and um I put on songs that I know he wouldn't even love. And I was like, oh, I think you might like this one, you know. But I put on some really good stuff, man. I really did. I put on, like, uh, Your your Favourite, Le Ritonel by Sebastian oh, Tellier. Uh, I, put on, I put on Moon by Kanye West because it was the first song I listened to when I got back into town after it happened. Um, I put on a song that I picked in this week's top five, so I'll hold that one back for now. But, like, I put on Wolf Parade, I'll Believe in Anything, and Kid Cudi, um, and just some other stuff. And, like, you know... I, I'm glad I I got to have that moment with him, even though, you know, it was a strange thing. And I guess lastly what I would say is um I uh it was it was yesterday, um, when I like I I wasn't about to work yet and I had a flower from um from from his wreath, I think, and my mother had given it to me and I was like, Oh, like, you know, what am I gonna do with this? Because I don't know where to bring it or what to do with it. So yeah. um I went to uh the grounds of uh 
Emma at the Royal Hospital Kilmainham yeah. and I went to like a wall kind of where I sat with Higgs last summer when we were like trying to find places to drink amidst all the restrictions um, <laughs> and I had the flower that was very much you know on its way out so to speak and I sat there and I listened to Suspicious Minds and I immediately burst out crying and then I listened to Something to Remember Me By by the Horrors and I put the flower down and I doused it in sparkling water, Craig, because he loved sparkling water and if it wasn't for him, I probably wouldn't even drink the stuff. I used to fucking hate it. A man of but, great um, taste. <laughs> apparently so. <laughs> um, so that was, you know, my little weird symbolic tribute that I just kind of didn't have a lot of time to think about but um, yeah it's been rough as you can probably tell and I hope people aren't like Jesus Christ I'm tuning into the show for escapism and to have fun uh, that's coming I swear but uh, listeners kind of would want this kind of thing and actually I maybe. really appreciate you sharing that kind of thing um, maybe and oh, I, should, I, should we mention sorry should we mention the ridiculous thing that happened at the the music that was played at the ceremony that I know you were there for because that oh happened. when we as we were going out to <laughs> Glen mm-hmm. Ansarge and Falling yep. slowly. <laughs> yeah, there was a Falling Slowly instrumental played in the church. I don't know why my father wasn't, to my knowledge, <laughs> didn't like that <laughs> song. No one did. And I was like, what the fuck? And I knew it was coming and I thought it might not be. And then when it happened, I'm sitting up the front row and I hear those the, 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 those ominous chords of fucking Falling Slowly, <laughs> a song that I've always hated by an artist that I do not have any time for. <laughs> and I thought, I've got like my friends down the back here somewhere. They're music It was people. a much needed moment of light relief, I must say. <laughs> Can you explain what uh, what May Kay did when this happened? Because I know she was there with you. Oh, well, immediately she, she just turned to me and was just like, oh, really, Dave is going to flip the lid on this one? But I, I will just say, because, you know, it could have gone either way. Glenn didn't suddenly appear and join in. He is liable to do that kind of thing. So small mercies, right? Yeah, that would have been, I mean, it was a tough day as it was. Yeah. Uh, how did you, that. what did you think of the priest? He was a bit weird, wasn't he? I mean, he was a priest that was very into Jesus. Um, that's what they do, yeah. That's generally how they go. And I guess his whole job was, you know, um, getting your dad ready and saving of the soul and connecting us all with Christ. I did enjoy how, um, if you were streaming online, there is now a kind of Wi-Fi prayer that means you can get the body of Christ over the internet. You're joking. It's, it's nice that they're keeping it modern. Yeah, there was a little prayer added on, so... That's- um, Unbelievable. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, no, it was um, nice being in the room with everyone that was gathered and yeah. just seeing you briefly, man. It was, I think, as my sister said, it was just about being kind of present with you and that was really important to us. And um, you were looking well as well, which oh, thanks, is not man. important, but... And Good yeah, I think know. I said, you know, you'd, which you kind of alluded to earlier, that you were handling it remarkably well and kind of with a lot of grace and... Um, which was great, but by the same token, if you handled it differently, that'd be okay too, because how do you react to these things? And that will shift and evolve and change. And I guess the bottom line is we're here and that's not a one-off kind of week of the funeral thing. It's, mm. you know, don't feel, and no one should ever feel like it's, you know, now that's done and it's time for me to move on and stop talking about it. We're not going to do that anyway. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, something yeah. that's part of your life. So we'll show mantra keep talking and just yeah you know um, try and yeah, move it along as best yeah you no can. for sure it's um yeah it's 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 unique and like it's it's unique to me because it's like you know i've never experienced it but there's possibly people listening to it this yeah, who have yeah. have experienced it and you know uh my all i can say is my love to you because uh i um it's new to me and uh I'm, I'm i'm having a tough time with it but i love my dad and i miss him um yeah. and uh yeah you know thanks dad but 
Speaking of tough times, Craig, uh, <laughs> I should probably get into it uh, before we get to the fucking news. Um, two days before this all went down. Jesus oh, Christ. okay. I thought you were going to shift to plugging the Patreon where it's like, we're all having tough times at the oh, moment. Uh, so if you no, could no, lend no, us no. a hand, it's <laughs> patreon.com forward slash no encore. I'll leave that to you. Yeah, if <laughs> you want to cheer Dave up. No, 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 no. Seriously, no, no, no. But we are on Patreon. <laughs> patreon.com slash no encore. If you want to support the show, that's fine. Uh, that really wasn't part of, oh, now I no. feel like a fucking absolute scumbags that wasn't I'm not meaning to oh no that was where my mind was going your mind was going somewhere far worse which was Twitter right Dave yeah Twitter yeah yeah when I I had a a, a skirmish on Twitter you could say about two weeks ago at this stage Um, it involved Fontaine's DC kind of Um, there was an article in Rolling Stone an interview in Rolling Stone and there was a screenshot that was sent to me that morning by somebody who will remain unnamed and for anyone who doesn't know, there was this intro and it was describing how tough it is for Green Chatton, frontman of Fontaine's DC, to live life in, in modern day London as an Irishman. And it was just like, you know, yeah. uh, he gets lots of bullshit for being Irish. You know, he gets like people who like leering men who stand over him and like, you know, make him say top of the morning and people who call him Paddy and yeah, call him Paddy, joke about the IRA and then people who say, who full on just say, get out, go home. And like, you know, I saw this thing and, you know, as with a lot of Fontaine stuff, it's kind of eye rolling, you know, version of Ireland being sold across the world. And like, in fairness, uh, we we've, have said it ourselves, like, it's not necessarily, it, it's kind of, it is their fault, but it's also not their fault. Like, journalists do lap this shit up and, you know, there isn't a level of, you know, they're not writing it themselves. Yeah, you know? yeah. Anyway, look, the point is, saw this, thought it was hilarious. I tweeted out the screenshot as I was walking out the door to work, four words, and I just said, yeah, this definitely happens, full stop. <laughs> Yeah, comma, this definitely happens full stop. And look, listen, I'm happy to sit here and say I scored an own goal that day, that I should have chose my words better. Uh, ultimately, what I, all I meant from it was, was that this is just a cartoonish litany of events, the leering men in particular at the top yeah. of the morning, you know. What I wasn't trying to say, now it is a declarative statement, and I can appreciate that as the day went on and as the tweet went around to lots of WhatsApp groups across London, I guess, and people who came <laughs> at me who I don't know and don't know me and don't know that I'm a music critic who often makes snarky takes about things. Look, I really am being honest with you when I say that I 100% believe that anti-Irish sentiment in Britain and beyond is a real thing. It's a horrible thing. Yeah. It has ruined lives. It has claimed lives. I'm not saying it's not real. Believe me. However, I can understand that if you didn't know me and have any context, it could look like I was saying that. So I'm happy to say I sincerely apologize to anyone who was offended because a lot of people were. Um, I, I tried to clarify it, but that wasn't good enough for some people. I thought you and did. I was going to say, I mean, you know, you being 100% honest, of course, that isn't really enough on Twitter and clarifying no, isn't. things isn't enough. And It was getting out of hand. That day, it completely it, passed me by. When the last I saw of it, people were having some fun like with it, as I think I did yeah, as well, because yeah. it was like a lighthearted thing that wasn't that important because it was a fucking tweet. Do you know what I mean? Um, and then that night it was brought to my attention that it had all kicked off I think you'd clo- locked your accounts at that point because it yeah, was just I craziness I, um, and you'd, you'd already put up your yeah your clarification um, you deleted a tweet and when I went into it and I was like well that's perfectly reasonable this should have cleared everything up still there was people underneath who were I guess quote unquote offended but I don't know if they were because some people just like latching onto things and will never let something go and will always have to make the last <laughs> point and I got extremely annoyed I was nearly wading in yeah. with some tweets and I thought oh, Dave probably just wants this to go away um, but yeah just uh, don't let it get you there was I, I can your point of like people that don't know you and maybe picked it up and had that experience in London and taken it one way and thinking well that's a bit you know 
off key. I get that. But there was a lot of that stuff that you know, a lot of those comments were disingenuous is all I'm saying. As so well, look, much is online. It's a it's a complex issue because it, it is, is a complex issue that I wasn't I if anyone really believes that I genuinely was trying to incite that and that's what I'm about and that's what I'm into. I'm not, I'm telling you right now, and I didn't mean for that to happen. And that's why I say I scored an own goal, because I should have chosen my words more carefully. I wasn't really thinking. I just thought I was being funny by not by, by saying that this specific collection of events to this person just seems a bit fucking and the way it's written you know it's a bit eye-rolly but cartoonish yada yada however people take things very literally on twitter and people were coming at me with stuff like i was almost killed for being irish and it's like fuck jesus i I didn't mean to invoke that and i didn't reply to anybody because i was like well this is just it's twitter it won't work what are you gonna do start running around putting out fires i mean it's just some guy in particular like like, i ran like like some some guy in particular came at me and was like very angry and tagged a mate and immediately quoted me replied to me then quote like replied to my clarification saying no 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 dave you know what you did own it and move on you intentionally de- diminish yeah, the experiences you have yada yada riled me hugely and I'm not a big fan of that person <laughs> well fuck that guy because like first yeah. of all in his bio the first thing you see in his bio is works in mental health and it's like might want to remove yeah. that there pal you bully however at the same time you know clearly was upset and it's like grand cool this is just this feels like it's about to really intensify on a toxic level and I genuinely thought of this because it really was doing the rounds like I was like fuck this is flying every time I checked Twitter there was notification after notification there was even a notification saying you're getting more notifications than usual how do you want to handle this and in the end how I handled it was delete and lock account and don't get me wrong I'm sure the Fontaine's lads and their affiliates were like ha idiot journalist got fucking you know scored an own goal yada yada and it's like fair enough I'm happy to take that that's no problem but ultimately I was like I started this conversation even though I didn't want to start this conversation I reserved the right to end it and walk away now because i did think about like what if like a dara o'brien for example just like quotes quotes tweets it with his massive following and i get crushed into dust i was like it's out of hand it's out of control it's not a good thing Were you thinking i was Darryl just trying specifically, to be that was the yeah it was because he's like an irish guy in london isn't he yeah. and he might assume that i was just making this insane statement and like you know that i honestly don't believe in i don't get into the online republicanism game it's not for me uh i don't i'm not an imperialist <laughs> you know i don't you know <laughs> like this is not who here, i am <laughs> People just, know it that. Was just, People like, should like, know that. I just Twitter is such to... a bad form for any of these conversations. <sighs> it's and you know what? No one's it's gaining anything from that's it. The problem. It, that, yeah, well, that's one hundred percent what it is. Sucked. Well, do you know I what I will say? Let it... that be Go the on. last time you ever think of being funny. <laughs> well, let it be the last time I fucking tweet. Although I will say, like, what a what a fucking return to Twitter I had. By the way, my dad's dead, and here's the piece I wrote oh, about him. Blah, blah blah blah. You know, please don't come at me this time. Weird, tough, insane. I hate it. I hate the last two weeks of my life. It's it's rough. And in the, and in the midst of it, yeah, learned about never tweeting ever again. And uh, well, I'll lay off the Fontaines for a while, shall I? Uh, they win this round. That's okay. Uh, genuine apologies to anyone offended because I yeah. really did not mean to do that, yeah. but I did do that, and I did not mean to, and I'm sorry. I learned a valuable lesson. Don't try and be funny uh so well now i guess we'll try and be funny now on the show for the next hour and a half yeah, we, we've quite a light-hearted new section you've put together uh, right dave <laughs> it's been a very spicy week i don't know what to tell yes. you we got uh, into it let's get into it adam please hey you heard about the good news so meatloaf passed away craig um i guess this, yeah you know it's a sad moment i you know i'm, I'm pivoting now from like a personal experience about death to a, a major celebrity um hell of a rock star passed away now i think it was two weeks ago at the stage um 
And yeah, I mean, no, it was, it was um, it was last Friday, wasn't it? Because obviously we recorded last week on the Thursday, um, so we it was. missed the news. I think it broke it on was, the Friday yeah. morning, or maybe late on Thursday evening. So yeah, it was. He was seventy four years of age, um, and incredible personality, incredible talent, incredible voice, incredible human being. I would say, um, and like I don't want to get into the weeds on this one, but I did notice that your boy Howard Stern has raised some concerns here. Do you want to get into them, Craig? <laughs> Yeah, so um, just you adding this this kind of story into running order, I, w- I hadn't been aware of it, even though he is my boy. Uh, I've been an occasional Stern listener. And Howard Stern in over the last couple of years has been very pro-vaccine. He is very concerned with COVID. Um, I think just in general over recent years, there's been a real turnaround in Howard Stern as a guy. He went through years of kind of counselling and kind of therapy and he's come out the other side a lot more enlightened in general and a different kind of figure to the way he was in the 90s which is kind of interesting and a sidebar but he's actually been calling on Meatloaf's family to speak out on vaccines after Meatloaf's death because apparently and there were reports and I haven't had these confirmed that actually Meatloaf had been seriously ill with COVID and then his condition quickly became critical um, we don't know, and I haven't seen any follow-up reports, whether or not Meatloaf was vaccinated against COVID, but it does seem like um, everything's pointing towards the fact that he was anti-vax or certainly stuff he'd been reading had turned him against it. He talked to the Pittsburgh uh, Post-Gazette in August of last year and he'd said, I hug people in the middle of COVID. I understand stopping life for a little while, but they cannot continue to stop life because of politics. And right now they're stopping because of politics. Um the interviewer replied, oh God, we're being controlled by everybody, which is interesting. Meatloaf responded, yeah, I know, but not me. If I die, I die, but I'm not going to be controlled. Uh, so yeah, Howard was just talking on his radio show. Um, he's been kind of condemning anti-vaxxers and doing, I know I just said he was very enlightened, but he's still doing his Howard Zern thing where he's kind of like, you know, people that haven't been vaccinated should be turned away from hospitals and like, screw everyone. Still in that mode a little bit. But he said, uh, and to quote, per Meatloaf got sucked into some weird fucking cult and somehow really believed that. He made a statement, I'd rather die a free man than take that vaccine. And now he's dead and kind of went on to say, you know, I'm sure when he was... Um, on his deathbed, he realised what he'd done, said, I made a mistake. Can't really put words in his mouth, but that was Stern's take. I hadn't heard the Meatloaf thing. I do vaguely remember those comments from Meatloaf. Maybe it was just a story that was maybe in consideration in a running order last summer, um, because it did kind of come back to me, but all the more tragic, I guess. And I know a lot of the conversation around anti-vaxxers has been the stupidity of it and a lot of people turning against them but also there is this thing of just like maybe people getting misinformation uh, and ending up in a bad way um, because they've been influenced in a certain way so I don't know it's a, it's a really tough one it's sad to it hear it is sad yeah. all around it is sad all around and I mean like look we're not gonna fucking chastise Meatloaf because first of all no, we should clarify all. that like as far as I'm aware cause death hasn't been revealed and yeah, Howard, yeah. Howard Stern is very much taking a ball and running with it um, and it's you know yeah as you say like you know he still has a bit of the shock jock in him and he's going to go there um, it does raise a lot of weird fucked up questions and it does 
potentially tarnish your legacy to a degree but like my memories of meatloaf would be like you know as just this incredible figure and like a good actor by the way i, I loved him in rocky horror picture show and fight club and um, yeah wayne's world he, wasn't he a doorman he's in wayne's wayne's world? yeah he's yeah. very funny in that yeah so like, it's just, Beatles. <laughs> as uh, no that's chris farley i believe um oh is it okay maybe yeah, yeah. Is, yeah um but like nonetheless your um your kind of summation of it being a sad story is correct so um in a bid to move off vaccine misinformation let's talk about joe rogan <laughs> shall we and uh, Oh, Joe oh. Rogan. Uh, <laughs> Joe Rogan. Hell, running order. <laughs> it's been a very like busy week in terms of people having aggro with each other, and there's plenty yeah. of that to get into. But Joe Rogan uh, took on Neil Young to a degree and won the battle. So it seems uh, this is an ongoing story. Uh, Neil Young wrote an open letter to his management and record label, uh, which was later taken down. But he asked that his music be promptly removed from Spotify, citing COVID nineteen vaccine misinformation on the platform specifically uh the joe rogan podcast joe rogan experience which is like this massive show mm. i think spotify paid 100 million dollars for it to be an exclusive there or something last year and it's huge absolutely huge i don't listen to it myself because fuck joe rogan but people do like it you don't like um, his comedy you know you're no <laughs> I, i've never been never been a fan uh, he was in news radio years ago a show that i remember finding quite charming and then i watched ufc for a while and i found him kind of annoying but informative as a co-commentator but as right. his as for his brash jim bro persona it's never been for me and it's kind of frightening really just kind of the level of reach he has and just how popular he is um and i've seen like some isolated clips during the rounds i saw like bill burr completely shutting him down over vaccines which was very funny like bill burr was like the Joe, he was like i don't have a medical like, degree yeah. yeah yeah he's like i'm not he's like you don't have a medical degree i don't have a medical degree i'm not gonna sit here and have this conversation but then joe, joe rogan like refers to people who wear masks as quote-unquote bitches and you're like as he's smoking his cigar and it's like you're just like he's such moved a to Texas parody. and he's like he, I think he's hitting that like he's pr- in his 50s now he's extremely rich and it's just that thing of like you become more conservative as you get older like he used to be the kind of smokes weed dude and like everyone should take DMT and peace and love so I don't know if that's been changing it's a weird position he's in I'm sure where it's just like as you were saying the show is like incredibly big at this point 11 million uh, listeners per episode is the estimation on it at this stage and again I don't want to I really don't want to spend too much time talking about this guy but like let's talk about Neil Young and Neil Young's decision to leave Spotify so actually I I can colour this slightly because I listened to Neil Young talk over Christmas on the Howard Stern show he did an interview (laughs) with Howard Stern which is great it was really great because Howard Stern was just like a massive fan and was kind of fawning over him and asking very nerdy questions about songs which was great but he did they obviously got onto a bit of COVID and um, Neil Young has been very anti-gigging or doing anything for the past two years. Um, He's taken his kind of whole touring operation off the road. He's not going back, he says, for a long time. Like he doesn't want to, like even when it, it seemed fine and within guidelines for acts in the States to go back for a period, he was saying, I don't want to give people the impression where they see me on stage and people without masks in the crowd that this is fine. Um, he's very concerned about it. A lot of what he was saying was almost like kind of end time stuff where he's like, this is what we get for, you know, what we're doing to the climate. And like, um, he just seemed like someone that was like, this needs to be taken extremely seriously. So I wasn't shocked to summarize that he kind of took this stance. I'm kind of weirdly torn on this one, right? Because my like, (laughs) my step back kind of liberal (laughs) thing is is just like, I kind of think, I don't know, my take on the Joe Rogan thing is like, I don't want to listen to him talk on his podcast about COVID for four hours and like do his kind of stoner bro thing. So it's not for me. But I'm also like, is he really like the big 
bogeyman like is he like he just seems like this kind of vanilla dude that is like second joint of the night uh, on the come down at 5am that kind of level of conversation and I'm like is that is that dangerous I don't know I think it is sorry go ahead and I'll I'll step in I I think it potentially is dangerous when you have the reach of 11 million people per episode and there are a lot of impression people out there who will take what you're saying as gospel and I think ultimately and we're going to talk about it in in another story that we're going to do next in a different (laughs) way when you have a massive fan base that are willing to kind of go hard for your cause and potentially weaponize to a degree. And I think, now, look, I don't know how often Joe Rogan comes out and says, hey, by the way, listeners, act responsibly. I can't imagine he does it very often on his four-hour episodes. But um, I think when you hit a certain level of influence you you know have a responsibility to younger minds more impressionable minds fanatics etc and when you're talking about something as society um as divisive as like covid like i mean even now like with these lifting of restrictions here in in the republic of ireland for anyone who's <laughs> listening to us uh, who isn't from here um I and that and like that announcement happened again while I was completely like offline offline to a degree and I was like hang on what the fuck has just happened I don't understand and I feel very uncomfortable with, with the current situation because it's just like it just feel, feels like the Irish government are like fuck it it's over let's just go for it and I'm like I, I I'm wearing like a mask into shops now and I can see people looking at me like oh fucking idiot with his mask on and right. like that's one thing that like that's fine I feel completely safe but what if you're in fucking like a Texas or something and you're just like you know there's actual violence and not to single out texas a place i've never been to but like do you know what i mean like what if there are like there there is the possibility that somebody could listen to joe rogan find themselves radicalized weaponized angry and it could be the thing And i know i sound like you know all that hysteria about the fucking joker film that came to nothing but like i just think that when you hit a certain level of influence it's up to you to kind of turn around and be like you know just try and fan the flames a bit and i don't know if he does that at the same time i know what you're saying yeah. freedom of speech I, like, is, should be allowed I, I, as well i just don't put him in that bracket of like a tucker carlson or like some disingenuous i don't know if he is like do you know what i mean uh it's a it's a weird one but i, I will say i am completely on a point of principle on board with neil young like i think he feels this way and he's kind of like he you know he's walking the walk and he was like okay here's my ultimatum it's me or him on this platform i'm on and i know people today have been like i can't believe they picked joe rogan over neil young and i'm like well in which i want to listen to neil young stuff on spotify <laughs> rather than joe rogan but they have just spent like spotify have just spent all of this money on this flagship show we got a it was only going to go one yeah. way 100%, and i'm yeah. sure neil young knew it was going to go that way and was just taking a stand and he's been picked up though already by sirius xm i think they bought his catalog immediately so he's he's found a new home and he quickly. did he did recently like sell half his catalog so i'm wondering is there like <laughs> some co-owners of all of his fat catalog they're like you're doing what so he still has his own weird audio file streaming service as well doesn't he i am delighted that i have my pono player because it means i can listen to neil in high fidelity anytime (laughs) i want you have that next year keep on rocking in the free world you have the next year donda player do your donda stem player (laughs) donda 2 by the way donda 2 announced for uh, mid-february (laughs) <laughs> the, yeah well the 22nd of the second 22 yeah. right yeah. isn't it adam is screaming and roaring at the Flailing screen his hands saying it's, saying not, it's not going to happen not a peep out of him all, all throughout that contentious talk but this is what he feels strongly on he's saying yeah. nope it's not going to happen i also yeah. agree i think this is a turbo graphics 16 situation executive produced by future apparently so we'll talk about that when we talk about that but yeah. we'll move on um because yeah I, I was speaking about having a level of influence and having a fan base that could very well be set upon people. Taylor Swift is in the news this week. Um, 
And, you know, rightly defending herself, I think, yes, against comments 100%. made by Damon Albarn, who gave an interview to the LA Times. Uh, I'm sure everyone has seen this, but he said that Taylor Swift doesn't write her own songs. That's a direct quote. Um, the interviewer pushed back on this statement saying, of course she does. She co-writes some of them. Damon Albarn continued and said, that doesn't count. I know what co-writing is. Co-writing is very different to writing. I'm not hating on anybody. I'm just saying there's a big difference between a songwriter and a songwriter who co-writes. Doesn't mean that the outcome can't be really great. And some of the greatest singers, I mean, Ella Fitzgerald never wrote a song in her life. When I sing, I have to close my eyes and just be in there. I suppose I'm a traditionalist in that sense. A really interesting songwriter is Billie Eilish and her brother, Phineas. I'm more attracted to that than Taylor Swift. It's just darker, less endlessly upbeat, way more in my minor and odd i think she's exceptional uh, i think he got a lot, a lot wrong brother. there yeah so i hate co-writers but here are two great co-writers also i wouldn't say that taylor swift's music is endlessly upbeat it's capable of darkness however taylor swift not happy went on twitter she added damon alburn and this is interesting because like usually on twitter you have to put a dot in front of the at for everyone to see it i believe brands yeah. make this mistake all the time and it drives me insane if you at somebody on twitter at the start of your tweet you're just talking to them if people follow you and follow that person they can see the conversation yada yada but the point is taylor swift did that she didn't do the dot she just did the at but it doesn't matter because her stands monitor her replies anyway it flew off immediately and she said Ash Damon Albarn, I was such a big fan of yours until I saw this. I write all of my own songs. Your hot take is completely false and so damaging. You don't have to like my songs, but it's really fucked up to try and discredit my writing. Wow. And then she added a very funny tweet where she said, P.S. I wrote this tweet all by myself, in case you're wondering. Frown emoji. Um, He apologised immediately and said, I totally agree with you. Oh, this was... <laughs> I had a conversation about songwriting. my way through this one. <laughs> he replied to her pretty fast and said, I totally agree with you. I had a conversation about songwriting and sadly it was reduced to clickbait. I apologise unreservedly and unconditionally. The last thing I would want to do is discredit your songwriting. I hope you understand. Uh, that did not save him from the wrath of the stands, of course. Uh, it seemed like a fairly full and frank apology. I don't agree with him about it being reduced to clickbait. I have to no. assume he's referring to the tweets by the LA Times account to promote the article, which were not disingenuous. Everything they said is what he said said i didn't feel that he was misconstrued or taken out of context i think he just fucked up spoke with male bravado confidence about he like he didn't even bring up taylor swift the interviewer did and the interviewer must have been like oh my god i've got gold here when they left that interview i've just caused a potential world war here and that's exactly what happened uh i think he was just being damon alburn i think he was just being cocky i think he wasn't really applying logic to the situation he was just having a freewheeling conversation at the same time I think Taylor Swift is absolutely right to defend herself. It is a bit cringeworthy to see the likes of Jack Antonoff and Aaron Desner run out and, you know, back her up with steel chairs. But at the same time, it does unfortunately <laughs> open up the conversation about, you know, uh, women singer-songwriters, women artists who don't get the credit they deserve. And there's lots of instances over the years, whether it's Taylor Swift, whether it's Bjork, whether it's anybody, where a male producer or a male co-writer will get more credit, will get more kind of position in the media. Uh, but it's such a bizarre own goal for, for Damon here because, like, it's very well yeah. known that Taylor Swift is a songwriter. That's what and- I found <laughs> baffling, that he was so in the dark about this that he because you would assume he was someone that was had somewhat of a finger on the pulse I mean also you know he's quite the traditionalist except when he works like you know under the gorillas moniker and collaborates with everyone including pop stars and I just I was like I, I couldn't believe that he was like he did he seems to have Okay, the the quotes don't make sense unless you're taking it as read that what he is saying is that Taylor Swift 
barely contributes, right? This is kind of what I, I think he was implying. It's kind of this situation that we used to hear years back where it'd be like, oh, the Backstreet Boys or, oh, Britney Spears, they just change one lyric to get that co-write, which I've no idea if that's true or not. But it's that kind of wider kind of like frowning down on pop stars thing. So I assume that's what he assumed Taylor Swift was like when she is known at this point as one of the great pop songwriters. <laughs> Weird on goal. Um, I can't believe he said it. And yeah, that is the way we have to take it because he goes on to talk about two obvious co-writers in Billie Eilish and Phineas. And um, oh boy, yeah. Uh, bringing out the clickbait thing and the apology was just like, uh, there was no way of getting out of it because he'd essentially <laughs> said, I don't like her music and I don't believe that she writes her own stuff. So like, what was there to clear up? <laughs> At best, he could say, I'm sorry for hating your music. I now appreciate the fact you write it. Like, it's just It's a direct so quote bad. though because even like, I was having this conversation with Dahi like, we're, uh, and Dahi was like, well, like, you know, I, I kind of think he, maybe he like, like, like could have been misconstrued and I was like, Dahi, he literally said, she doesn't write her own songs and he was like did he and i was like yes it's a direct quote and i was like okay fair enough and it was like he's like once you make a yeah. declarative statement and again i'm aware that i'm talking about my own twitter experience with declarative statements but like this is a bit different also no, Damon say, Auburn has sorry, 30 years of interviews under his belt like come on man think about and it for dealing a for an entire decade with the gallagher brothers like he's been through this he does like i i will just say i mean um taylor swift completely entitled to clap back and like you would assume any artist with any kind of bit of dignity or kind of like would just be like what are you saying about me um so yeah go off on him by all means um when he kind of tweeted and it was such a kind of pathetic thing of just being like you know apologize unreservedly blah 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 of course she didn't respond to that of course not, which is no. like well within her rights but also you know a slightly different conversation about the kind of the swifties and how mm-hmm. they descend on people and we've had this conversation before where she has her unfair detractors for sure but also she's not doing doing anything about this mass of people that get quite verbally textually violent and just seem deranged at times like it's just you know she says her thing and her, she has her witty kind of line and then he tries to start like a bit of a dialogue and that's the end of the conversation now yeah. she do, by by no means does she have to kind of give him the benefit of the doubt but just in a broader perspective it would be nice if we saw some of that on twitter For like the right, sake where of people civility. actually have conver- yes yeah <laughs> where people can apologize and then grow as people and then maybe damon albarn thinks in future of like yeah i see someone else doing something like that it was like no actually i made that mistake before and we all grow as a society Dave. I'm gonna (laughs) what a lovely idea I'm gonna make two predictions here Uh, I think she is due to headline Glastonbury if that's still happening I predict she'll do a Jay-Z and she'll strut out to Park Life by Blur (laughs) and I also believe that the two of them will collaborate by the end of the year so that's my expectation. Both those things will happen probably. Um, It's tremendous and I got to see that tweet. Do you think she'll do the Phil Daniels thing? That'd be great if she did all of that in Cockney. In a bad English accent. Um, And then that'll cause another fucking row, won't it? Um, Because that's how it goes. Finally, in the news section this week, uh, Morrissey has a question for Johnny Murr. (laughs) (laughs) A man named William Patrick Morrissey writes. Why are you so obsessed with me? Um, he, Marcy wrote an open letter given out about Johnny Marr constantly mentioning him in interviews. Johnny Marr has clapped back himself saying the open letter is a bit of an outdated concept, is it not? And I, yeah, this one could run and run, Craig. Smith's reunion? Fingers crossed? <laughs> not likely. Smith's reunion um, when? Yeah, I did, I did read some of um, Morrissey's quotes and like, as ever, so disappointing the way Morrissey's gone. He does have some nice lines in there, which is 
deeply upsetting as well. I found this extremely sad, you know, at this stage of life where it's just like that the relationship is at this point where Johnny Marr is obviously asked in every interview about him, what's he going to do? Like Johnny Marr is in an impossible position where his musical legacy is being tainted by the person Morrissey has become and Morrissey is being spoken about by this person that he hasn't worked with in 35 years. Like I think when the band broke up the Smiths and yeah, I used, I'm still sticking to my love the Smiths, hate Morrissey thing. But um, I think he was 23 when the Smiths broke up Johnny Marr and he's still being asked about Morrissey. And I remember reading a Billy Bragg thing where Billy Bragg was like, it's it's deeply upsetting because the Smiths were the greatest band in the world and I love them dearly and I can't listen to them anymore um, because of Morrissey. And I'm so sorry for Johnny Marr, who's the nicest man on the planet. But like all of that is now tainted. So it's just this horrible, horrible situation. And you think at a certain stage of life, you'd be building bridges. And again, me being the eternal optimist, I live in hope that one day Morrissey's going to give a tell-all interview where he goes like, I've been completely wrong. What a fool I've been. I need to make amends and like decry the far right and become like the 80s Morrissey. And just, it's never going to happen. But it's, you know, it's a fantasy, man. I will say I'm here for this uh, Craig Eternal Optimus Fitzpatrick for 2022. Yeah, 2022. This, this yeah. new gimmick. Uh, <laughs> I think it's, gimmick. <laughs> I, yeah, like a wrestling gimmick. It's like a crowd pleaser. You know, I, yeah. I could see it because, you know, I'm going to need it myself. So keep it okay, up for we'll a few weeks, would you, buddy? I'll well, look, listen, I had to crowbar in the Morrissey and Marathon because it allows us to reflect on the current rude health of the British lad rock music scene to a degree mm. as we lead into our album review for this week. Uh a, a, a fresh-faced band from Leeds with some things to say about society. They're called Yard Act. The album is called The Overload. The opening track is called The Overload. It's the title track as well. And this is what it sounds like. That's Yard Act. Now, Craig, Eternal Optimist, who are these lads? Is this in any way valuable? What do you think? <laughs> Feels like a leading question, Dave. Um, as you said, four piece from Leeds. They've enjoyed a swift descent over the last couple of years. Um, I think right now they're like juking it out for number one with years and years, right? So that'll have been settled, Fucking I guess, by the battle for the ages right there. Yeah, wow. in the UK. Um, this is really starting to take the sheen off like Mogwai and the Manics getting like to number one, isn't it? Where it's just like <laughs> do a kind of cut price and just get a free a few like pre-orders in and like you might get to number one. I don't know. Wish them well. But um, yeah, their debut single was Fixer Upper, I believe. Uh, came out around like lockdown number one and there was a bit of buzz generated like they were doing a kind of Roy deadpan, you know, slice of spiky indie rock um, seemed to go down well with like six music crowd and they pulled a bunch of singer- singles together um, for a debut EP, Dark Days, last year. Um, they're Elton John approved. <laughs> They've been on the BBC sound uh, of music for this year. And this full length is now out on Island Records. So it's all going very well for them. It's kind of simultaneously like zeitgeisty um, in terms of this Brett thing that's going on. A lot of bands are doing that at the moment, but also oddly like something that 
was coming out on a weekly basis circa like 2005 or 6 um, so yeah I think like Steve Lamack Darling territory um, definitely 6 music playlist territory yet the big question is where do we land on them so Dave is this a yard act you will follow or did you find them to be a yard pill to swallow <laughs> <laughs> how many days you've been sitting on that one out of curiosity two or three days days and days okay um well before i say what i think i i have a question to turn back on you craig you mentioned the british indie scene of 2005 2006 what do you think eddie argos of art brute would make of this band <clears throat> they've just nicked my thing but made it not funny <laughs> <laughs> Am I betraying my own <laughs> opinion there? Maybe. Do you reckon? Um, yeah. My opinion of this is that when I first heard it, I hadn't heard of them at all. And I just saw, like, I think I saw Ona Sullivan of The Point of Everything tweeting about it. I think I saw Another Nine talking about it. I think both of them individually had said, uh, do people actually like this band? They're, I think they were both like, I had to turn it off, which is very, like, you know, that's what a band like this probably want people to say about them. But, like, the Guardian, Kitty Empire and The Guardian said it was an instant classic, although gave it four out of five. You'd think that would uh, be a five there, but no. Mm-hmm. Um, I threw it on. Now, admittedly, you know, not exactly in the greatest of headspaces last Friday, but, like, <clears throat> my initial reaction to it was to recoil in a mix of horror and laughter. And I got about four songs in and was like, I'll, you know, we'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll get back to this, especially if we review it. Um, so I was anticipating a complete disaster of a trash fire of a thing. Um, I didn't hate it. I actually didn't. And I can see some of the value in it. But it, to me, it, it is too insistently smug. It is too kind yeah. of bargain basement art brute or, you know, shame. Even like a band like Shame, like they don't necessarily do the spoken word thing too much. But like, it kind of feels like it's plucking from the same uh, cloth. And yeah, it just feels a bit too lightweight to me. And very much like... You know, it's first year college student at a party who's read a few books and won't leave you alone kind of stuff. Very student union band. Maybe I would have loved it 10 years ago or a bit, whatever, but I just, I think it is very surface level. You mentioned that song Fixer Upper, which isn't on this album. Um, That's probably a better song than anything on the album, even though it's also very insistent in what it is. But yeah, they're kind of like... I have to think they're probably big fans of idols, but don't want to be that loud and brash. They just want to be clever and cool. You know, it's it's kind of... Don't we all? Well, yeah, we, we we absolutely do. But I think it's very limited. And I think it just about doesn't stay its welcome, but I don't see the point of it, really. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised you're being um, quite generous, this record, because... This really got me like reassessing the five listen rule uh, of musical criticism that is self-imposed kind of on this show, core value of the show. Um, Maybe in 2022, we need to start something new and have less listens because I struggled this week. I I think we must we must have had tougher listens over the last year or so, but I actually found this like interminable. I just (laughs) I want to show some like generosity of spirit here because like, you know, wished them well and all that jazz. And as we always say, whoever puts out, creates something and puts it out into the world, fair play. Um, but like, dear listener, I wouldn't say bother with this. Go listen like to Pink Flag by Wire. There's nothing new happening here whatsoever. Um, I saw an interview with the lead vocalist, James Smith, where he was kind of saying, uh, we're not worried about how we keep being called like post-punk. Um, we'll outgrow it like every other band worth their salts. And I was just thinking, I hope you do. 
I suspect you won't outgrow a genre that contains like countless acts that are immeasurably more worthy of your time than Yard Act. Um, the Fall being one that keeps being mentioned as well as the acts you mentioned. because I, I kept thinking of it as well because his voice is just like a parody of Marky Smith. <laughs> where I think it's like a crutch he's just leaning on. And The Fall, I think of more musical ideas in a single song than the entirety of The Overload. Um, it's just tremendously kind of artless to me, like flat. <clears throat> because I think, you know, there's a lot of this um, Sprechgesang stuff happening at the moment and bands are having great success with it. Um, dry Cleaning, I love that record. I think it works because you have a vocalist who is kind of charismatic and warm and empathetic and lyrically super sharp. But also when you're not kind of when you don't have melodies on the vocal too much, the band has to pick up a lot of slack and do something constantly interesting and unique and, you know, flexible underneath. And Dry Cleaning do that. Sinead O'Brien's bands do that really well. I felt like these guys just didn't at all. Like a lot of the songs are led melodically by two-note bass lines um, that were, you know, played by better bands 40 years ago. It didn't, it like... (laughs) Sometimes you hear a record and you're like, well, they had great fun like putting it together, but I'm not enjoying listening. This doesn't sound like fun to play. I found it like boring and drab. Um, a song like Rich, Dave, where it's this satirical thing. Ugh, just, oh my God, like hell or purgatory is being stuck listening to that song forever. <laughs> let I it out, just, let it out, Craig. Uh, <laughs> He also, like a lot of these songs are kind of character studies, right? And what he will do is take on a persona. And quite often I found actually a lot of these songs were weirdly punching down. Like it was about kind of small town England and he's putting on voice, like he's playing characters where he's doing that thing where, you know, someone imitates someone they find immensely irritating. He does that a lot for entire songs. (laughs) And at a certain point, if you're not like Jarvis Cocker, you just sound irritating. You just sound like that person. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned that song Fixer Upper, which isn't on here as like, you know, one of their better tracks. But even that one, like, it's very much like, oh, yeah, cool. I get it. You know, racists exist. What what yeah. of it? Like, what, what what are you contributing here? The, so- the song Tall Poppies, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, because a, a lot of reviews are saying like this is um, a bit of an album centerpiece. It's, uh, again, a kind of character study. Um, it kind of tries to come to some crescendo, but I thought it felt like if, if it was falling completely flat on its face in that regard. But it's telling this story um, for the listeners who haven't heard it of um, this kind of guy like in a town where your man grew up, where he's like good with the women and good at football and has a completely ordinary life. And throughout verse after verse over like nothing much of a tune, we hear about the kind of quote unquote drab life he's had. And there's lots of little jabs about how he's a bit thick or... And Alexis Protrudis in his review, my boy in The Guardian, was like, oh, it seems like he's kind of maybe punching down. But actually, then it ends with this thing of like, um, he says, oh, but he was my friend and he was one of us. And it's like this big revelation. I'm like, no, that's just a complete cop out. Because first of all, the song ends with your man, the character dying as a grandfather. Spoiler alert. So it's clearly not a real person that he was friends with that he knew. And you can't just go 
but he was one of us after you've insulted the man for the entire song. Like, you can't have your cake and eat it too. There's no real empathy there. I think in his kind of, as you said, self-congratulatory, um, like, smarmy style, there's very little empathy. I didn't feel at any point he was emotionally available, like we were getting his proper thoughts. Like, the album ends with 100% endurance where... I think they're trying to do their um, Do You Realise where it's a moment of like the story to this one is like a Cornetto trilogy thing of like the aliens have arrived to this small town and it's made me realise that actually nothing matters but everything matters and hug the person next to you and the, the kind of the hook line is like it's hippie bullshit but it's true and it's like I mean it most sincerely and he does the sincerely uh, Marky Smith thing I'm like none of this is sincere None of this is sincere. Uh, this is yeah. how I feel about the record. Yeah, you I'm asked, sorry. Um, this has been an no, absolute no. rant, and I wasn't. I no, wasn't planning for it. But yeah, I, the Eternal Optimist gimmick is over. I think we can all agree <laughs> it lasted a whopping five minutes. So good stuff. Oh my god. Yeah, um, for my thoughts on Tall Poppies. I mean, yeah, much yeah. like anything else here, it's kind of all wallpaper. But like, yeah, it's that that it's such a cheap move, and it's very like again, first year college student. Not not to rag on first year college students. I was one myself once. You know, um, yeah. back in my day, all this were fields. But no, essentially, it's like uh, it does feel like you know closing the book on your essay with like a with a hell of a rug pull and you're like oh, oh amazing amazing incredible more and more i can't yeah. believe it and it's like nah nah it's it's all very hackneyed and then they kind of have their if i can get serious for a minute song at the very end which is a nice sentiment but also it's too little too late um yeah i i think in closing uh, it's probably like a three out of ten i didn't hate it. it it exists fair enough but it's not for me however combination of like you know i mentioned the guy from art brute but like even like looking at the video for the overload which is so willfully obnoxious fuck me and this guy is like, you know, kind of, I guess, his presentation of himself. I just keep thinking how, like, I bet the guy from Spectre would want to beat the shit out of this guy. And that's probably the point, <laughs> isn't it? He's, yeah, he, it's kind of um, like Alan Bennett meets Eddie Argos with a bit of Jarvis mixed in there and like the coat and everything. And probably a lovely guy and the band are probably great and they'd be great to hang out with. And they've probably a great record collection, but their songs are pilfering from that record collection and making them worse i hope they improve i wish them well but this is a tree for me i'm surprised you went as low because i thought you were being well i, I kind of started maybe you found I, some enjoyment I in it but it five, is a tree but you yeah. brought me down to a three but <laughs> my three is basically your zero so i mean like we, that's true that's here we true. are um that's yard act get up the yard act or whatever the fuck you want to cap or you want to put on this review <laughs> Uh, it's patreon.com slash noancore if you appreciate gems like that you can always support the show keep the lights on thank you very much by the way to people who've signed up recently uh, we will of course try and get back in the uh, no ox cord shuffle pretty soon in which we do a monthly recommends corner but you know for obvious reasons we're just a bit behind on stuff uh, but we're not behind on a top five Greg we have a top five this week it is top five time and we're going with top five songs about freedom which I guess is inspired by Ireland's recent COVID revolution freedom day <laughs> <laughs> what did you do for freedom day when, when the pubs were allowed open beyond I did not go PM. out <laughs> yeah I actually didn't go out I was like Sensible. this weekend is not for me Sensible. Um, yeah I also had a I was on a shoot on Monday where I was doing Vox Pops um, so I talked to about like 50 people over the course of the day and I'm like oh this is how I reintroduce myself to society um, 
like fast track the fact that I've like you know fast track my man about town credentials even though I've been a semi-hermit for the last two years but yeah no no fun was had at the weekend I was slightly concerned <laughs> we agreed to, we agreed to do if we were doing if we were doing our old method titles. Of titles for the episodes no fun was had at the weekend is a great <laughs> one <laughs> sorry go on could be a yard act song um yeah I was you know you picked songs about freedom and it's a really good choice and I think it's going to be interesting but I I was then thinking afterwards like the Freedom Day ironic we should point out tie-in of like is this a bit Tory? Is this a bit like <laughs> Britain last year where it's like uh, no it's not it's you know um, please don't, don't drag no me back surprise please don't cakes. people no have privatizing me. the healthcare system people have yeah. accused me of being a fucking bootlicking Brit lover which I'm not so let's not like yeah let's not confuse it uh, we think Boris Johnson's a knob don't worry 100%. but we think hopefully these songs are good I of course have gone abstract with this mostly I mean they're not just oh, songs okay. about you know traditional getting out of jail or something I don't know you know but, like I'm trying to get a bit you know in the yeah, head yeah I have a it. mix I've I've got some like freedom can mean different things to different people, Dave. As well, you know, um, mm-hmm. it can be a spiritual thing. It can be, yeah, emancipation, um, prison, bit of hedonism. I've got a I've got a lot of a yeah. I've got a real mix. I think mainly I'm going to be having a chill one though, which I think I need after my rant. No fun at the weekend. Well, why don't you kick us off then? Okay, this isn't really a chill one. Uh, let's start with some hedonism. Just what is it that you want to do? Well, we want to be free. We want to be free to, to do what we want to do. And we want to get loaded. And we want to have a good time. And that's what we're going to do. Well, wait, baby, let's go. We're going to have a good time. We're going to have a party. Primal Scream loaded from Screamadelica. Um, yeah, this is the freedom that, I guess, mind-altering substances bring. And it was the career booster that Andrew Wetterall brought to Primal Scream, who were, maybe harsh to say, going nowhere fast, but I think their career had hit a bit of a plateau and then they were completely reinvented post, like, Second Summer of Love as this almost acid house act. Um, and it all stemmed from... Um, Andrew Wetterall sadly no longer being with us. I was just reading um, Bobby Gillespie's really nice tribute to him where he kind of told the story of how this came together. And Andrew Wetterall was a big fan of Primal Scream. Bobby Gillespie was like, yeah, he used to rave about like some of the ballads on the second album, which kind of no one knew, whatever. And they met like, you know, at a rave in a field in Sussex, like, you know, five in the morning when they're off their heads and they got on right away. And he reviewed, Andrew Wetterall reviewed a gig of theirs, like he used to write reviews. Um, He had something published, like kind of being effusive in his praise of them under the pen name Audrey Witherspoon, which is great. And it was suggested to him that he remix I'm Losing More Than I'll Ever Have, which is the original tune uh, that Loaded is based on. And the way the band tell it is like he did a really inoffensive mix and just kind of mixed up the drums and something. He was too, he was almost too enamored with the band. And Andrew Innes said, just fucking destroy it, mate, which is a very (laughs) Andrew Innes thing. So he did. He completely warped it and made this wonderful kaleidoscopic thing. And it took off massively. He was obviously the first playing it in clubs. Um, Suddenly dance floors were filling to Primal Scream, who were... 
um initially like you know kind of fey indie types or kind of twee indie types and then like primal primal scream were doing this you know stones-esque rock thing but they're suddenly plugged into dance and ecstasy and whether all's work continued on Scream Delica, which I think still holds up. And it was career changing, life altering for Bobby Gillespie and the band. I guess life altering for probably a lot of people that were on substances listening to this stuff. And it's just a total vibe still. It still feels kind of fresh. Um, so I had to include it. And just as a shout out to Andrew Wetherall, who just seems like a, a giant of a man. Yeah, man. Rest in, rest in power, Andrew Wetherall. He fucking ruled. Yeah. Uh, I interviewed uh, Andrew Innes once. Um, yeah. Uh, back in the hot press days I remember Stuart Clark being like oh he's a bit prickly you know like brace yourself you know he'll probably be like you know he's a tough interviewee and I was like oh fuck great was, this is my my Friday morning assignment or whatever rang the guy up and of course you would not talk to a warmer nicer more interesting Very fellow sweet man. he was incredible yeah. he was uh, just Scottish is what Stuart was saying <laughs> and I, I remember as well for some reason the, the Gallagher brothers were in the news that week yet another spat and I think I brought it up to try and get a couple of quotes you know and he was just like oh bless them he was like the world's better for having them you know like fair play to them and i was like yeah this guy rules <laughs> like yeah, uh, great choice i'm sure lord would approve as well with her forgettable lead single from last year of course rather yeah very dipping so. into this territory but um the territory i will dip into is uh i wouldn't say it's a million miles off but a bit more new romantic and it's all about freedom of expression at number five for me Why, of course, it's Tears for Fears, it's Shout, and it's about when you just can't hold it back any longer and you got to say yeah. it, man. Say it out loud, see how it feels. I'm sure an anthem for Joe Rogan and lots of other people to enjoy <laughs> as they prepare for the microphone. Um, yeah, I want to just kind of tap into that idea of like, you know, having something to say. And, you know, obviously, uh, even on this episode, the way I began this episode, it was like, I think I said to you, kind of you and Adam off mic, I was like, I don't really have anything prepared and I don't really know what I want to say. And I've, I was kind of walking around with that all week. But like, you know, even like doing a podcast and obviously there are millions of them in the world. Um, it's an outlet. And I think having a creative outlet, having a voice in some capacity, whether it's this or create, creating music, making films, writing poetry, whatever it is you do uh, yourself, like like whatever your own individual expression is, to have it, I think is so important. And, you know, I would encourage anybody listening to to find that if you haven't already, whatever it is. Uh, and that's kind of what I come back to with the song. I, and I love this fucking song. I think it's such a great, fun song. I think it's beautifully feel good in one sense, quite dark in another. Uh, seriously repetitive, but never boring. Um, just a pop classic and I will say as well like it, it kind of comes later in it but like I think even as a standalone isolation the lyric of like I'd really love to break your heart I think is one of the great lines out there great, it's so yeah. fucking vicious like Ed Sheeran could never uh, it's incredible like it's so, so romantic it's so it's strong but <laughs> the delivery ah oh. Speaking of freedom of expression, Craig, there is, of course, a new metal cover version of this song. I'm hoping you don't know who it's by because I've prepared a clip. Are we being treated to it? Oh, lovely. Oh, yes, we are. <laughs> it's called Shout 2000 and it sounds <laughs> a bit like this.
Oh man, it's so bad, but it's so good. Who is it? Am I guessing? Um, I believe I've heard that transcendent voice uh, improving <laughs> the sound of silence before. Would I be correct? You are correct. Is that the Disturbed Lads? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's Disturbed. Um, and it's off their album, The Sickness, which of course I had on CD back yeah. in the day. Um, I unironically love this cover. I think it's just so much fun. And, you know, it's me. So, of course it is. I, I should say as well, when I was um, when I was back in Drada there a couple weeks ago, I found a photograph of myself in my teenage bedroom. Uh, I sent it into the group chat. Tremendous photo. Can, can you describe the photo? Is no. it possible? <laughs> <laughs> well, we start at the wallpaper, the Man United wallpaper. Man United um, wallpaper. You've got, your, you've got your drum kit set up next to your bed. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got posters all over the walls, yeah, um, including from the latest issue of FHM. Yeah, <laughs> some stuff that would get me cancelled today, probably. Uh, ah, I think it was fairly tame for I'm a wearing, teenage uh, boy. There's a big Slipknot poster. Uh, yeah, there's also I'm wearing I'm wearing some a bling. Yeah, what were you wearing? I'm wearing a Lincoln Park hoodie. Um, Lincoln Park hoodie. There was blink. There was a blink sign on the drum kit. Was mm-hmm. there? There was. Yeah. There's there a lot going a, on, Dave. There was a scream mask as well. It was uh, very of its time. But uh, around that time, this is the kind of thing I would have been listening to. And I still think it's great. I think Shout is an amazing original. I think Disturbed, as Craig said, improved it. I think we can all agree. Yes. 100%. And we can all move on to Craig's number four. Yeah, let's do it. Also, that, that album's great songs from the big chair. It's kind of the 1975's entire career, isn't it? So maybe people should check that out. It's very, very good. Um, my number four. We can go from ecstasy to um, emancipation. So... Yeah, let's get a bit more kind of spiritual. And this is actually a cover uh, as well. So let's let's get into it. And was made strong by the hand of the Almighty. We forward in this generation triumphantly. Won't you help to sing? songs of freedom cause all I ever had so that's Joe Strummer it's redemption song it's a Bob Marley song famous Bob Marley song I heard this version first I think unless maybe I just heard it in passing because you know um, Bob Marley kind of music everywhere and probably a lot of people are put off as stuff by the fact that like legend is just you know <laughs> on the speakers in every kind of hostel and you know crusty types just playing it quite a bit and I've never dipped hugely into Bob Marley I love some of his stuff I think he was tremendous talent Waiting in Vain is an all-time masterpiece this is one of his later songs and um, apparently it was written it, it was on Uprising it was written when he was already kind of quite ill um, he'd been diagnosed with cancer he was in a huge amount of pain and just kind of dealing with that and dealing with his own mortality and what you get is like this outpouring of it's a protest song but it's funneled through his life experience his spirituality um, his kind of grace it ends up being similar to like a Bob Dylan song almost like er- early kind of period Bob Dylan um, but right in a par if not slightly better and I went as I say with the Joe Strummer version because I think I was introduced to the song when this version appeared on like some cover mount CD thing for some magazine um, instantly struck a chord it was just after Joe Strummer had passed away it was one of the last things he recorded it came out on a posthumous release of his sadly around about 2002 I love his voice I think there's great grit in his voice and great vulnerability and he's, I think, a fairly middle-class um, London dude. 
doing this song, not changing any of the lyrics. And he sells it and he believes every word. And he was, you know, quite a strong socialist without the champagne. Um, just so hugely into his music as well, from reggae to roots to rock and roll. He sells it beautifully. There's another version that I think he played on that Johnny Cash did. Again, towards the end for Johnny Cash. Um, the Man Comes Around sessions, I believe, um, where he was recording, of course, with Rick Rubin. And Joe Strummer was like nearby on holidays. And Joe Strummer was such a Johnny Cash fan that he would just turn up to the studio every day so he could watch Johnny Cash sing, which is like lovely. And they both bonded over reggae and Bob Marley and decided this song had to be done. Um, so that's how that version came about and it's really good too and we're checking out but this is yeah it's quite a universal song it's a bit of an anthem so sometimes those kind of songs don't strike a chord with you but this always cuts through and every time I listen to it I do actually get a bit choked up Um, so that's my number four Nice man, nice pick. Lovely story as well about the two boys. Kind of brings to mind, um, you know, those hopefully not apocryphal stories of like Alex Ferguson and Carlo Ancelotti going on like a tour of a vineyard together or something. <laughs> oh in yeah, their, totally in their, in their later days, in their sunshine days. Um, yeah, beautiful. Uh, yeah, Bob Marley. I mean, like you know, Bob Marley. I think currently gracing the cover of a new Bohemians jersey this week. There was a lot of kind of talk about that. Big Bose fan, Bob. Yeah, for charity. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I mean, it's probably it's 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 your classic thing, isn't it? Where like you know the legend becomes so big. And and gets associated with but like you know there's probably lots of lovely people out there who love Bob Marley you, yourself included oh, totally. someday maybe yes yeah yeah I'm lovely. Uh, it's not for me <laughs> but uh, you know that's my ignorance you know but this is a very nice cover so so that's good nice. job um, thank okay. you uh, number four for me is uh, I think this is a song that Craig got me into let's find out That's uh, Manson there, M-A-N-S-U-N, not S-O-N, of course. And the song yeah. is called Wide Open Space, UK indie band. Did you get me into the song or am I misremembering? I remember this playing in Hot Press quite a bit. I have a feeling that I might have got you into... Actually, I probably didn't get you into it. We just both liked it. I Can Only Disappoint You, which is another brilliant song. Yeah, it's a great one. And then I remember days of probably playing that and then sticking this on. Mm-hmm. So possibly... Maybe, um, but yeah, this takes me right back to the hot press office. So thank you for that. <laughs> You're very welcome. Um, ah, you, you miss it sometimes. So this is you wide do. open space. This is my um, freedom isn't all it's cracked up to be song. I think you know it's because uh, <laughs> I had to have one of those. <laughs> God, someone said it. Yeah, yeah. Like, careful what you wish for. It might not be great. It might be better to be bring all the restrictions back I don't know uh, Paul Draper Manson uh, you know there's, there's a serious causticness to him a tongue in cheek but it's acidic you know and I quite like it I love the kind of world building of the song I've always thought it was beautiful and yeah my brain went to that place this week when I was like okay freedom not necessarily always a great thing maybe we need to rein this back in a bit <laughs> <laughs> How your mind works. I tell um, you. They listen. had some real anthems. I don't know a huge amount about Manson and didn't really follow them. Still but yeah, going, God, I think, the or he's going solo playing the old songs. Maybe, I think. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, but you know, well, like, if you got him, play him. Uh, smoke him if you got him. I mean, yeah, no, this is uh, one of those. And because it's funny, because you mentioned like you know, uh, magazine mounted CDs. Like this is this like this song, and I can only disappoint you are like Q Magazine, like you know, Mel- oh, yeah. Melody Maker, Enemy. Uh, you know, the the more innocent era of you wouldn't call them Britpop, would you? Just kind of a job and indie band, I suppose. Britpop adjacent, yeah. It was probably just that second wave, right, where it was getting a bit more inventive and kind of slightly tinged with psychedelia. Mm. I don't, who would I compare them to? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I was like, I could have put it in five seconds of thinking. But I was just like, Cast, I don't know. Athlete, um, I don't know. Fucking need, like, come on, think about it. Yeah, they were kind of into that, like, Shed seven. you know. Definitely not Shed 7. Um, <laughs> give me some more names. Who are those Mercury Prize winners that were a bit psychedelic? Gomez. And Gomez. Yeah. Gomez is the one I was thinking of. There you go. Gomez-y. Uh, That's why this show works, Dave. Because you. you can remember Gomez when I can't. Sure. I interviewed them before and I never wrote the interview and I still feel bad about it. Why don't you move on with the show, though, and tell us your next pick? Okay, so my number three. Uh, I've been rinsing this guy's most famous album for the last week or two. Because it's just like a nice warm hug of a record. Uh, This is from his debut solo album. And um, it's about escaping from Phil Collins, essentially. Here it is. Peter Gabriel of Salisbury Hill. Um, you'd know it from probably any number of rom-coms and rom-com trailers. It's just been used a huge amount. It remains undimmed, despite that fact. It's not contaminated whatsoever. Uh, I was grooving along to that. It was beautiful. And that kind of sense of freedom of taking control of your cre- creativity, your career, your kind of life. Um, it's about Peter Gabriel leaving Genesis. Um not quite liking the route they were going, deciding he wanted to pursue his own weird stuff, which eventually led him to, ironically enough, doing really big pop stuff in the 80s that was like rubbing shoulders with the kind of stuff Phil Collins, his ex-bandmate, was doing. I think they stayed on kind of friendly terms. Um, But he does certainly sound very relieved to have escaped the impending divorce core of Phil Collins and the rest of Genesis. I don't know. This is a very magical song. Um, As with every Peter Gabriel song I guess because there's not a huge amount of them just the production's incredible that flute hook is ethereal amazing it's in 7-4 it's a bit of a weird song like all the elements of it are slightly kind of off kilter and somehow it, it, it still works as a kind of great pop song no real chorus but just everything about it just hooks you totally in and he's an interesting character. He just kind of goes his own way. Um, from, I think, quite a kind of wealthy background. Or like his, if not wealthy, then his folks were like, oh, I don't know, connected to the landed gentry. Um, he grew up like in a in a kind of a manor in Bath. And this was him like on Salisbury Hill, just overlooking the manor he was currently living in and just being like, yeah, I'm going to follow my creativity. <laughs> um, you kind of ruined it so, for me. Yeah, it's, the sound of, it's the sound of privilege. It's really. the sound of affluence. <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. It does sound very affluent. But sometimes great things come from that, I guess. And um, it's quite unlike the rest of the stuff on that debut album, which is a bit dark 
darker and a bit spikier and he had a lot of self-titled um solo releases which are varying shades of great but they're kind of they're grayer and they're interesting and they're challenging and then you get to so in the mid 80s which is more of this kind of ilk and he just kind of i still think that's one of the greatest records of all time it's just a tremendous kind of staggering achievement but this paved the way for that and this was his kind of escape his moment of freedom that would lead to one of the biggest albums of all time um you said it there about it being used in trailers and i remember this being used in and this is one of the first examples of it like kind of late 2000s it was like uh, a repurposed trailer to make The Shining look like a family-friendly kind of, you know, <laughs> rites of passage thing. And it's like Jack bonding with his son. And it's just like, yeah. <laughs> and, and I was like, my heart goes boom, boom, boom. And I, 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 every time I hear it, like, it, like that has been ruined for me forever. Because like, even the title, it's like, you know, like, grab your things, I'm good. And then it's like, Shining. And it's just like, it's incredibly like perfect. That's work. excellent. <laughs> I haven't seen that. Um, check it out. It's really, really funny. Um, but then I think it was used, unironically, in the trailer for fucking Elizabethtown. The camera crow possibly um because it feels like something he would do a film i've never seen but apparently it's like vanilla sky as well wasn't it, it was, yeah uh, was it? I, see, yeah it must it probably is in that i love vanilla sky though i think it's i think it's troubled yeah. but good uh, apparently uh, like me um i think <laughs> apparently elizabeth Town is one of the worst films of all time though and i must actually get to it but in the meantime let's get to something a bit more topical shall we for my number three hmm. oh daring <laughs> daring <laughs> And you've been so busy lately that you haven't found the time to open up your mind and watch the world spinning gently out of time. Yeah, let's um let's give the Damon his due, shall we? This is Blur. Very good. And it's Ed of Time. Um I saw Brian Coney this week on Twitter, Brian Coney of the Thin Air. Uh, hell of a journalist he put up a thing and said just a you know reminder for no reason that uh, this is one of the most beautiful songs of all time and it is um, I love this song I think it's off Think Tank possibly it is um, yeah. post Cox like, oh yeah that's reunion. interesting yeah um, I mean I think you're more of a blur guy than me but I do appreciate a lot about them and I, I've always thought that this is one of the most quietly beautiful songs ever written and like you know again to let me go abstract for a second it's about taking trying to find freedom trying to carve freedom out of the mundane out of the routine and setting aside time for yourself to actually focus on yourself that way um, and allow yourself the possibility of that of escapism whether it is something as grand as venturing to the stars themselves or whether it is some simply just checking in with yourself maybe possibly and just allowing yourself to do that allowing yourself to pause the world a little bit and feel the world around you that's kind of what i've always gotten from this one and i went back to it in this week of course uh, in which damon was hurled under the bus uh by himself um but you know a reminder that even you know even the most fucking you know it's like okay damon alburn said a stupid thing and you know, I, I'm not I'm not his biggest fan ever, but like Jesus, guy can write a song or co-write it, yeah. as the case may be. <laughs> yeah, probably. It's I I love this record as well, and I think it's um I have a, I have a huge amount of time for Graham Coxon's guitar playing, but the fact that they lost that element kind of meant that they had to introduce new textures, and like Damon had to step up slightly, just even more than he already had been. So you just get this different kind of blur, and they're weirdly very content sounding. Like this is amazing. Uh, good song is also beautiful in that record. Just sounds very contented overall. 
except for maybe Crazy Beat, which I think is on as well, which is Fatboy Slim doing his weird chipmunk thing. And it's, yeah, less said about that one, the better. But a very interesting record and a lovely choice. And <laughs> I was seeing a lot of stuff on Twitter of people being like, yeah, Blur were always rubbish anyway. And it's just like, that's not helpful. <laughs> that's like, not I true. Just, this no, stupid revisionist not. history. It's like, like, they have lots of duds for for sure. But like, yeah, they're an important fucking band. Like, yeah, okay. They're all full of Tories and dickheads, but they're a good band when, 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 on their day. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. It's a fantastic song. What are you going to okay. do about it? Um, Who am I? What are you going to of... do about it, mate? <laughs> <laughs> speaking of Tories again for the umpteen time. This you love episode. it. You love, you love this. It, this person isn't a Tory, but musically, all I'll say is, Dave, Adam, I hope you don't get seasick. <laughs> Let's go. All caught up in the reverie, I'll just, uh, I'll just step in here for a second and say that it's absolutely devastating to have the teaser of the first appearance of C6 Steve in the top five and then for it not to happen. But what are you going to do? Yeah, I was teasing some Yacht Rock instead. It's finally <laughs> happened because da- the Dan aren't really, are they? Let's not get into it. It's Christopher Cross. It's sailing. And uh, yeah, I'm levitating or at least like floating. This is such a good song and I've, I came to it extremely late. It's a very good album. Christopher Cross, like an interesting guy. I don't know if you're hugely into Christopher Cross, Dave, are you? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm aware of him. But he was kind of the Billie Eilish of like the late 70s is in terms right? of... Is that right or is, or is that a grand statement, Craig? Would you care to... <laughs> well, he... She's probably already kind of outstripped him in terms of like longevity because it was an interesting case where he was very young. He kind of struck absolute gold with his debut record, which is, this is on... Um, won like five Grammys had like a number one single with this um, had a lot of other hits off it and was just like the kind of hot young artist um, critical kind of acclaim along with huge sales and then it kind of went nowhere um, just like looking at the Wikipedia so Christopher Cross the debut record came out in 79 the second album didn't come out till 83. So you kind of go past all the plaudits and how well that did and like album of the year, record of the year, yeah, like scooping up the Grammys. What, yeah, his, his kind of haul wasn't replicated until Billie Eilish won all four awards at uh, the 2020 Grammy Awards. Um, yeah, then you go to 1983 and another page comes out and the Wikipedia there is like, oh, one of the songs was used in a CBS sports package sold well getting gold certification and then the next section is telling it's it's entitled the curse of the mtv generation (laughs) (laughs) and i'm like christopher did you write this (laughs) it goes after 1984 across the star quickly diminished as music television channel mtv grew to dominate the mainstream music scene in the united states across the style of music proved to be a bad fit for the network and his brand of adult contemporary music declined in popularity which is probably a fair shout like he um didn't really lend itself to music videos. It lent itself to being on a yacht and chilling out. I think this was great. I had, I think he had a huge amount of talent, um, particularly on that record. His voice is incredible. The string work on this is beautiful. There's a real serenity to it. Um, apparently, he didn't go sailing that often. 
he went sailing once with a kind of older kind of big brother type figure uh, who he always looked up to and it always took him to a happy place and he said that if <laughs> that person had taken him bowling the song would have been called bowling which is great <laughs> jesus christ i love your your uh, between this and like the last one just shattering the illusion of these songs so like track by track here it's wonderful that's what I'm all about. Behind Eternal the music. Optimist and, yeah. <laughs> Eternal Optimist and Truth Teller, Craig Fitzpatrick. Truth Teller. Uh, all right, number two for me. Uh, let's have what Rolling Stone last year said is the third best song of all time. I go to the movie and I go downtown. Somebody keep telling me don't hang around. It's been a long But I know a change's gonna come. Yeah, it's uh, Sam Cooke. It's a change is gonna come. It's a perfect song. I think I said at the time when that Rolling Stone Top 500, the new one came out, I believe Aretha Franklin Respect was number one. I think I was like, I would have been perfectly fine with Sam Cooke being number one because I think it's, yeah. how do you improve on this? You can't. Uh, of course, a song written about the civil rights movement, a song written about the struggles of African-Americans and Sam Cooke uh, died young. Uh, he was shot dead. Uh, to this day, there are disputes about the specifics thereof and we may never know the full story, but it seems like a, a young life was, w- w- was robbed, but one who had left behind incredible influence, incredible music and... I think, despite the fact that it's obviously written about a very specific time and very specific people, there is a universal feeling to this song. And I think Mm -hmm. it is both incredibly sad and incredibly beautiful. It's full of hope and pain. Um, I think, I can't think of a situation where you couldn't put it on and people wouldn't be stopped in their tracks by it. You know, I think it's just, it's absolutely perfect. And, you know, oftentimes when I'm writing about music or I'm talking about music, I often use the word searching. Uh, I can think of a few more searching songs than this and if that's not what freedom is about or the quest thereof um, I don't really know what I'm talking about but thankfully Sam Cooke does with a genuinely timeless classic that I will never ever tire of so yeah, yeah. it's perfect right it's a perfect song it is a totally perfect song um, and as you say so universal and about such big themes but I think the intimacy of it is just really compelling I don't know if it's like the kind of vulnerability just how bloody great the vocal is um, wouldn't change a thing about it. It's it's hard to like. Sometimes we get a distorted view of like popular music and what's going to like stand the test of time and like what what are the songs that are kind of like quote unquote canon. But this this feels like if any song is going to be still around in like two hundred years, it should be this one, and it probably sh- you know will be. Um, so I can't say much more than that. A really really good pick. Um, we we go to my number one. We shall. Is it this? It is not. Next <laughs> clip there, Adam, if you don't mind. Christopher Cross again. Unfucking believable. Like the way. Unfucking believable. It's, it's not. It's not. <laughs> I was trying to decide between this and sailing. Sailing is my number two. And do you know what's just happened to you, Dave? Um, go on. You've set me up for this one. I'm. Um... You've you've just been double crossed. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Oh my god. That pun came to my head. I'm like, I have to cut the clip and I have to now send it to Adam and explain it. And I didn't let it go. So, my real number one, please, Adam. 
Yeah, it was straight in with a bullet for me. Um, George Michael, Freedom, exclamation mark, 90. Not the Wham song, Freedom. But yeah, his follow-up to Faith being massive. Uh, it was a single from Listen Without Prejudice, Volume 1, which is an incredible record that more people should listen to. And it was George Michael deciding he wasn't doing the um, classic pop star thing or playing that game. Um, he was shedding the image that he'd kind of, you know, conjured up with fate and just kind of gone solo. Um, so this is, yeah, him. There's some pretty obvious. It's him talking about his time in Wham!, um, his pop career to date, how the industry had affected him and how he needed to do something completely different. And with that, the music video was, you know, all the kind of supermodels um, kind of lip syncing along to it. He didn't appear in the video whatsoever. I think he's in like a shot or something. Um, but he was kind of bowing out and not, you know, feeding into the tabloid narrative. And it's a really powerful song. Uh, it's really confessional. But it's just so goddamn catchy and like joyous in, you know, it's kind of strong headed, but it's also an absolute delight. There's hooks on hooks on hooks. I love his kind of response thing to the Freedom Line. It's just it all works so perfectly. And what an amazing artist. Yeah, incredible. I didn't pick this one because I thought bit obvious. Also, Craig might pick it, hopefully. I really, really, yeah, hope, I really, put it I really hope he does. I'll never get tired of uh, just saying how much George Michael rules on this program. I wish I kind of paid more attention when he was alive. Um, I wish I kind of, you know, I wish I saw him live. I wish I listened to him more. Oh, man, yeah. Uh, an incredible artist, an incredible human being. Uh, I love seeing him live on through, you know, clips on Twitter of him taking down the establishment when he's, you know, in conversation with stuffy BBC presenters and just completely fucking owning them and owning his critics and just doing it with a grace and a charm and a wit that a few other people had. And then you get to the music, which is just wall to wall, incredible songs. Like he used the word timeless earlier on. And again, some of George Michael's songs should live forever. Uh, and in that yeah. way, he will live forever. Um, which takes me to my number one. Uh, I mentioned earlier on in the show that I played some music with my dad when he was home with us for a couple of days. Uh, this is one of them. And this is my number one. I'm okay. So that's Flog and Molly. The song is called If I Ever Leave This World Alive. Uh, I should clarify that like, I'm not really into Flog and Molly, nor was my dad. Uh, I guess the connection, if there is one, is that it was on a TV show that we both liked uh, called The Shield. I very much enjoyed when we did like the same TV shows, whether it was The Shield or The Wire, or as I wrote in that piece about him when he would let me stay up with him on school nights to watch Seinfeld and Larry Sanders, which was fucked up by the way, because like, the BBC would, like, just like would play Seinfeld followed by Larry Sanders Monday to Friday at like 11.20, 11.45. Yeah, See later. But I was like, this is absolute gold and we never missed it. Um, gold, Jerry. <laughs> gold, Jerry, gold. Uh, I love this song. Um, I remember when I first heard it, I was like, that, that's an all-timer for me. I, I haven't, I couldn't name you five Flog and Molly songs or Dropkick Murphys. I'm not really into that style of music. I appreciate that it's out there and, you know, there's some incredible songs, but 
this is the one and it's I think it's a universal thing because like you know I went onto YouTube to get this clip and like I saw that comments were just flooded with people talking about it being a funeral song because um, I've always thought about it being a funeral song I think the best comment I saw was when somebody said if this isn't played at my funeral I'm not going which is a pretty good thing to say it's good a rare a rare good wish on the YouTube channel but um I played this uh, amongst you know a, a handful of other songs in the room with dad and I like raised my fucking beer to the heavens and I sank it down in a very traditional Irish bullshit way um, and, I, and I and I thought of him because it's like I think I, like there's so much uh, in the song about just I think joy and celebration of life and you know the things you can do the things you can't do and I don't know like, like, like I, I just find it really really powerful I just find it really really kind of poignant in that way and it just puts me in a good mood and and like I like I do think that where possible um unless it's like you know a horrific tragedy of a young life or something I think where possible a funeral should be a celebration of a person's life and that's what it was for my dad um we got to do that yeah. and a song like this I think encapsulates it encapsulates the experience and it was tough um and strange and weird uh, being in that room for a few days before he was before he went off um and i remember opening the window at one stage and my mother kind of came in and she was like because i've been opening all the fucking windows in the house when people were over for covid reasons you know i was like well you know i know this is a thing but that's also still a thing let's all be careful um and my mother kind of saw that the window was open a bit and she was like oh yeah no i know and i said no no i said i i opened it because i wanted i wanted him to feel the world for a little longer and i think playing the songs that i got to play with him um I I hope that I, I hope that he was there, you know. Um, yeah, and I fucking love I this song. Was, I fucking love this song, and it gives me power, and it gives me joy, and it's about love, and it's about life, and it's about celebrating people. Um, and you know, again, a certain kind of freedom. I think I hope so. That's why I had to pick Definitely. it. Definitely. So yeah. it's a really good choice. That's, um, that's from my dad. Even is, though, even is. though I don't know if he liked the song, I hope he did. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I know you like the show that it was in. Hopefully that'll do. I played songs that he loved too. Don't worry, it wasn't all about me. But yeah. <laughs> anyway, you talk now, Craig. I'm please. Sure he loved it. Yeah. yeah. No, that was beautiful. And it's a good point about. I think the Irish do do kind of funerals well. And there is that thing of just not being completely stoked about things and seeing the lighter side of life and just trying to get a, a kind of broad sense of the all-encompassing person and the joy in that too. Um, this kind of works on that level. I do feel like one of these days we'll we'll get you to become a Pogues fan. I think there's something in there. <laughs> there's a, wow. There's a trad fan buried deep within there, but I don't know. But um, yeah, no, that's a really nice choice. Uh, pe- I, pe- yeah. People have tried to make me a Beatles fan, a Steely Dan fan, a Pogues fan, you know. By people, do you mean me? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. But the point is, I'm over here just listening to Disturbed do their cover of Shout. So that's that's where I'm Nothing at wrong with, with that, brother. Uh, we wouldn't be able to shout on this podcast if it wasn't for the amazing, the wonderful Adam Shanahan, who uh, has a beautiful side profile at the moment because he's got a curved monitor in his room. Looks immaculate. I'm calling yeah. him out for his opulence. Um, but he looks great as always. And hopefully he makes us sound great as he always does. Um, I will never sell you out, Adam. We love you too much. And if you love the show, again, patreon.com slash noancore if you want to help us uh, support the show keep the lights on all that kind of stuff um weird episode i know uh, to come back on um but a necessary one i hope and one that i hope you stayed with us on uh because you know yeah light and dark good and bad life and death all that kind of stuff and that's kind of where we're at with it this week uh would you be listening to the art act going forward craig no 
the album. No, I think that's unless they go full yacht rock. Um, I don't really. Oh, the record, the record. I will not go back. To now. <laughs> that was really tough, man. I was, I was genuinely like, wow. I've yammered on about the five listen thing, and like, you need to stick to it. But listen four, man. What I do for this show, you know. Uh, it's above and beyond absolutely uh, and on that note uh, love to you listener love to everybody and uh, this has been No Encore there will be No Encore and we'll be back next week I don't know what with but hopefully some lighter news section yeah like let's see alright yeah. I'm out bye bye A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.